Hey y'all, welcome to Where Is She Wednesday. This is a series on the She Did What podcast where I discuss cases of missing females of all ages. Everything discussed in this series is based on information I found on the internet through research and my own opinions unless stated otherwise. I am in no way, shape, or form accusing or trying to cause harm to anyone talked about in this series, whether it be the missing person, their family, or anyone else involved in their life. Missing persons cases are understandably touchy and extremely difficult, but I am here trying to raise awareness. I'm so happy that you're here. Now let's get into it. What is up, you guys? Welcome back to Where Is She Wednesday. I'm so happy to have you guys here with me. Today, we are going to be discussing the disappearance of Tabitha Tudors. It is definitely going to be weird to say my own name so much. I rarely ever say my name, which I realized while recording this, and I've rarely actually met other people with my name. And I remember when I first got into true crime, that's kind of what latched me to this case was simply because she had the same name as me and it was spelled the same way. And we are very, very close in age. We're only a year apart. So this case makes me super sad. I, I feel like I say that every time, but The parents in this case have really done so, so much to try to find their daughter. They have never given up hope. And it's just another case that leaves me feeling empty. It leaves me feeling so confused about how people, especially children, can just up and disappear into thin air. I know that you guys know that these cases with kids are just so difficult, but especially in situations where they were just living their normal life. Nothing out of the ordinary was happening. They weren't doing anything wrong. They weren't involved in anything dangerous. And it's like they're there one minute and gone in the next. And it's just heartbreaking. So Tabitha Danielle Tudors was born on February 15th of 1990 to her parents, Bo and Deborah. Tabitha also had an older brother and sister, so she was the baby of the family. And the family lived in Nashville, Tennessee. Bo was a truck driver, and Deborah worked at a local elementary school. At the time of Tabitha's disappearance, she was only 13 years old. She was a 7th grader at Bailey Middle School, and she was described as a very innocent girl. She didn't seem to have the same interests or attitude, I guess you could say, that you usually see in teenagers, especially in those early teen years. My son will be 12 this year, and I can totally understand this. He is very, very innocent for his age. He doesn't carry himself or act like what most people think of when you think of middle schoolers. Tabitha enjoyed staying at home with her family instead of going out and hanging out with her friends. She was silly. She was sweet. She was a jokester. She was also a great student. Um, she, She did all of her work. She always tried her best in all of her classes, according to her teachers. She went to church, and she even volunteered her time there for spaghetti dinners. And she also liked to go to the local library and talk to people in chat rooms. And I remember... When this first became a thing, it was mind-blowing to all of us. You know, the internet was still, it was still new, but this is also going to come up again later, so do remember this. 
I think overall, Tabitha seemed to have an older soul. Um, she was an enjoyable child to have around, you know, her parents, friends, teachers, neighbors, everyone loved her and everyone really loved being around her. We're going to go ahead and get into the day that Tabitha went missing. It was a typical day, as we usually see in cases like this. It was Tuesday, April 29th of 2003. Tabitha's mom, Deborah, got up around 5 a.m. She saw that Tabitha was asleep, so she just went about her morning as usual, getting ready for work and heading out for the day around 6. Shortly thereafter, Bo, Tabitha's dad, got up himself to get ready for work, and he goes ahead and wakes Tabitha up. You know, she needs to get up, she needs to get ready for school, and then he goes ahead and leaves. Tabitha is not home alone, though. Her older sister, Jamie, had actually been staying at the home with her small children, but they were still asleep, so Tabitha's kind of just there. She's finishing her morning routine, and then she leaves to make it to the school bus. Deborah said that Tabitha usually left the house around 15 minutes to 8 to make it to the bus stop, which was at the corner of Lillian Street and South 14th Street. This was only like two blocks away from her house. And this is what I mean when I say anything, anything can happen at any time, any place to literally anyone. And it's terrifying to think that in cases like this, people are just going about their everyday lives. Tabitha was so close to home. She was two blocks away from the safety and the comfort of her own home and her family. So we know that Tabitha left that morning with every intention of walking to her bus stop as she did every weekday getting on the bus as she did every weekday and heading off to school. We also know that Tabitha never made it onto the school bus that morning. She never made it to school and no one ever saw her again. No one even knew or realized that Tabitha was missing until that afternoon when Deborah had gotten home from work and Tabitha never showed up. She usually arrived back home from school at the same time every day, which was four in the afternoon, and Deborah would already be there waiting to greet her. So Tabitha doesn't come home at the normal time. Deborah waits a little bit and she thinks, okay, you know, maybe the bus got held up. Maybe she missed the bus. You know, there is a reasonable explanation for this. After waiting it out a little bit to see if Tabitha would come back home, Deborah decides to go to the bus stop herself. So she drives up there. She waits to see maybe if the bus was going to show up a little late. But after a while, with no sign of the bus, no sign of Tabitha, she drove around the block and there was still nothing. Tabitha wasn't, you know, walking up the street with a friend. She wasn't hanging out in a neighbor's house. So Deborah decides to go home and she starts calling Tabitha's friends, but none of them had seen her. They don't have answers or information about where she could be. And by now, Deborah had really had enough and she is becoming more and more concerned. She drives up to Tabitha's school and is actually let in by a janitor. 
And she finds a few kids who stayed after school that day. They knew Tabitha and a few of them even rode on the same bus as her. And they tell Deborah that Tabitha did not even get on the bus that morning. They had not seen her. They have no idea where she is or why she wasn't on the bus or in school that day. And now panic starts to set in. Deborah races home and calls her husband, Bo, and she is explaining what has been going on. And they are like, okay, something is off here. Something is wrong. And Bo immediately heads home, like right away. I think Deborah said he got there within 15 minutes. And they're just both freaking out now. Like they know that something bad had to have happened. Tabitha is gone. She is missing and they have to find her. And at this point, she had been gone for hours, like hours, bordering like 10 hours. She was supposed to get on her bus around 8 a.m. And now it's almost 6 p.m. Okay. And where is she? What could be happening? Why is she not home? Why has no one seen her? Why was she not in school? They don't have the answers. So they call 911 and they report Tabitha as a missing person. I saw in an interview that Jamie, who is Tabitha's older sister, if you remember, said that Tabitha's school did not have anything in place that would automate a phone call for when Tabitha was marked absent that day at school. And we have this today. You know, when my kids don't go to school, the school calls me at least twice that day. They will call me in the morning and they will call me in the afternoon to tell me that my kids were marked absent. And just knowing that this was not in place at that time, it's awful. You know, her parents could have been made aware that morning instead of having to realize on their own later what was going on. And after so many hours, so much time was lost. And as I say, in every freaking episode, it feels every hour counts. Every single hour, especially when it is a child who has gone missing. Tabitha was a creature of habit. She was very well behaved. She didn't skip school. And I actually saw somewhere that she had perfect attendance so it's just not likely that she would up and decide to not go to school one day. She wouldn't wander off. She wouldn't just go and not come home. You know, her family was her life. She was just a kid and she spent all of her time at school, at home or at church, really. And her parents knew this. They had zero doubt at this point that something had happened and whatever that was, it was keeping Tabitha away from them. It was keeping her away from home and it was not by her own free will. So police come out to the home. They take down all the information. They get a photograph of Tabitha and they start walking around the neighborhood. They're looking for her. They're looking for any sign of her, you know, clothing, a backpack, anything but they find nothing. And they searched for days. I think it was three straight days. The news also starts to talk about Tabitha and her disappearance um, in hopes that somebody saw something, that someone will come forward with some kind of information. Did someone see her? Did they notice anybody or anything that day that was suspicious? 
it really feels like for the most part, everyone was trying to come together and fairly quickly to get this story out there and to ask for help and for information for people to be on the lookout. But something that is so, so frustrating here and that we see so many times, the police initially are thinking this is a runaway and these cases do not get the same attention. They're not looked at with the same heart or the same sensitivity. You know, people judge and they think, oh God, here we go. Another kid ran away. You know, they're going to get cold or they're going to get tired or hungry and they'll pop right back up. And I hate that. I don't care if you think a child ran away or if you think they were kidnapped. Either way, a child is missing. A family is scared and you need to view it with the same urgency and the same amount of care because you don't know. You can assume, you can guess, you can think, whatever you want, but you just do not know. So police are pushing this narrative. She ran away. She'll be back. And then it's just not taken seriously. And that is not okay. Tabitha specifically just did not have the type of life or personality that would lead you to think that she would run away to begin with. It is really just the easiest conclusion to come to. It is the safest conclusion to come to. But that doesn't make it true. And honestly, it is the laziest conclusion to come to. And it is a very, very dangerous assumption to make. It's important to mention that the police had searched Tabitha's room and actually come across a piece of paper of some sort. And this piece of paper had Tabitha's initials and another set of initials. And This probably looked like to them that she had some secret boyfriend or something of the sort and she ran off. But let's be honest, when I was her age, I was writing my initials plus Nick Carter's initials from the Backstreet Boys, okay? Like I was writing it all over anything that I wrote on. But Deborah points out that a family friend actually has a son whose initials match the other initials on this piece of paper And I think it's safe to say that maybe Tabitha had a crush on this kid or it was just something innocent and she wrote their initials down together. I don't think that everything needs to be looked into so deeply. I think it's something that they kind of clinged to to push the narrative that she ran away. But police really didn't find any other information to lead them to believe that there was really anything suspicious about this or about the boy whose name matched the initials. Bo and Deborah were really struggling with Tabitha being gone, not having answers. And, you know, this was their baby. I cannot imagine. The community really rallied around them at this time. You know, this was a huge neighborhood. People lived right next to each other. Kids played outside together. Different families had become friends. They had become close. And so everyone was really hurting. Everyone was feeling for this family. They were wondering what happened, where Tabitha was, how this happened. And they probably even feared that one of their own kids could possibly be in danger. 
So everybody is really just trying to come together and show this family support, whether that's showing up with hot meals or searching or just checking in on them. You know, these people are watching this family live in a nightmare. I think it's every parent's worst nightmare. So according to Deborah, the street that Tabitha takes to get to her bus stop every day, especially at that time, is rather busy. There are vehicles heading out to work. There are people going about their daily activities. There are other kids who are heading out for school themselves. There are plenty of surrounding homes. So you would think that somebody would have information. Someone saw something. Someone heard something. But there really have not been as many leads as you would think. There have been a few people in the neighborhood who lived close to the bus stop or en route who said that they actually saw Tabitha that day. This was not, you know, out of the ordinary. They, they saw her walking this same route every day to get to her bus stop. So there were also a couple tips about her being seen getting into cars. And I've seen a red car and I've also seen a green car. I mean, you, I just, uh, you would think, you would think for a busy neighborhood on a Tuesday morning when people are in and out of their homes, we would have more than this. Why don't we? And the police are searching. They put out search dogs in the neighborhood. And this can be a very, very helpful tool. You know, it's kind of like you're able to retrace someone's footsteps. You can kind of see their last moments. And the dogs actually followed Tabitha's normal path from her home to her bus stop. But then the dogs stopped when they had almost made it to the bus stop and then went back in the direction of where they had come from. So it was kind of like they were following Tabitha's path to the bus stop randomly stopped when they were almost there and then turned around and started heading back towards her home. But it's important to note that by now, so many people, so many other scents were in this area. And it's really hard to be able to say whether or not the dogs were tracking the right scent. And you just don't know has this whole thing been compromised by all of the other people, all of the searchers, like everybody that has been in and out of this area since she last was? And police also questioned Tabitha's family, you know, especially after the path of the search dogs. They're wondering if they're missing something here. Why did the dogs track her scent back? Like she was heading back home. Does somebody in the family know something? You know, if you remember... That morning, Tabitha had gone missing. Both of her parents already left for work. They were already out of the home, and she was there with her sister, Jamie. And so the police are kind of wondering, you know, does Jamie know something? She was the last person there with Tabitha. She was home with her right before she left. And if Tabitha had headed back home, Jamie would have still been the only one there when Tabitha got back. And the dangerous thing with these cases and information getting out in these situations is that people will hear one detail and they'll kind of go ahead and fill in the gaps by themselves. So it's like, okay, 
Tabitha was at home with Jamie. She left, but she went back and then she went missing. And to some people, this equates to, oh my God, Jamie was the last person with her. She must have done something. She must have seen something. She must know something. Again, dangerous way of thinking, but people love gossip. They love the drama. They love rumors. And police stated that, you know, they had some questions about Jamie's story. They said that there were a couple discrepancies. And after this was talked about publicly, which I just, uh, I don't know. Well, I just, why would you do that? Jamie is like, okay, I have to defend myself now. You know, this is her sister. Her sister has gone missing and now people are looking at her. So she comes forward and she actually says that the police had intimidated her. They had threatened her that she would lose her kids if she failed a polygraph test, which is so absurd. I have talked about this. Like, you guys know how I feel about polygraphs. They're just trash, okay? Like, you could give me a polygraph right now asking me, Tabitha, yes or no, are you recording a podcast? And if I said yes, which I am, hello, knock, knock, hello, I would fail, okay? Because I'm always anxious. I'm always nervous. But imagine being this sister So she's already in this awful position and then she's having to defend herself. And the most frustrating part about that really for me or annoying part is that Tabitha's neighborhood was not really the safest. There were drugs. There were sex offenders. Like there are way more people to look at and spend your time on than Tabitha's heartbroken older sister who was home that day. I mean, she she lived there. It was okay for her to be there. I think that the sex offenders would definitely be a little higher on my suspect list, but who am I? What do I know? Thankfully, police do go and question these people in the neighborhood. They're looking at the sex offenders. They're looking at the people who have criminal pasts, and this was literally so many people. So many. Okay. A lot of people in this area were questionable. They had the type of background or behavior patterns that would really lead you to think that they were fully capable of being involved in Tabitha's disappearance, but they do not find anything that can actually connect any of them to this. But there really wasn't that much information to go off of to begin with. There was a man months later, I think around the summertime of that year, who police showed interest in. He had actually claimed to see Tabitha that morning walking. And for some reason, he was like involving himself in the media with her case, like speaking to reporters. And he would say some really like off the wall things about Tabitha's appearance, like in a sexual manner, which is just, what the, what, what the fuck are you doing? He also had no reason to be in this neighborhood that day to begin with, and he couldn't give an explanation as to why he was there. So it's kind of coming off like he's just this creep who was cruising this neighborhood and he didn't belong there and he's watching kids. He's specifically watching Tabitha. This is odd. So police are very suspicious and they end up searching his home, but they don't find anything. 
Tabitha's parents go on talk shows. They are involved in the media. They're trying to keep her name out there, her face out there, but nothing is really coming of anything. And time is just passing. And by now it's like, given everything, this case does not fit a runaway. And thankfully, the police do make a shift from the runaway theory to, okay, something happened, something bad happened, something criminal happened. A lot of tips had come in, including sightings of Tabitha with older men, and this led to people thinking that she had been kidnapped and put into sex trafficking. And police are getting more and more worried This is becoming more serious to them. And I just wish, as always, that they had done this from the start, that they had handled it properly from the start, that they had viewed it this way from the start, because you cannot go back. You cannot rewind time. You can't, you know, turn the clock back and do the right thing, which is even bigger reason to take these things seriously at the very beginning, no matter what you think happened, no matter what you want to assume happened. There were also a lot of issues between Tabitha's family and the police chief because of the handling. And it seemed like the police chief was trying to lay blame on Tabitha's parents for the way the investigation had gone or how things were playing out, which is so wrong in general. But when police or agencies just cannot accept responsibility for the way that they go about certain cases or the picking and the choosing of what feels important to them or what feels serious to them, what is deserving of their resources and their time, it just, it creates this wall, like this barrier between everyday citizens and officers that just should not be there. You know, everybody should be working together, coming together to do everything in their power to find answers. And in this case, to find Tabitha and for the chief of police to even think about blaming the tutors for the lack of progress here. It's just mind blowing to me because You didn't do what was right in the start. You didn't listen to them. You didn't listen to what they knew about their daughter. You didn't listen when they said that they knew her better than anybody, that she hadn't run away. And then you go about this case how you see fit as if you knew her, as if she was a runaway because you said so. And then things don't pan out that way in the long run in the way that you thought that they would and now your ego is getting in the way and it brings even more harm and pain and just frustration to an already devastating situation. So luckily a new police chief is actually assigned a little later down the road and he immediately takes charge. He makes this case a priority and the FBI is also involved at this point Now things are going the way that they should have been from the day that Tabitha went missing, but they're really no closer to answers. There isn't a lot of information here. There isn't physical evidence, and it's just so hard to go anywhere with this because you don't know where to turn. You don't know where to look, who to look at, or what to do after all of these years 
And so many different people, you know, looking at this case from different viewpoints, different perspectives, like you would think that something new would pop up or they would be able to find a new avenue to explore. But, you know, as I say, with every missing person, someone knows something. Somebody saw something, somebody heard something, and somebody out there right now could give this family answers. They could answer their prayers and just end this. Like, how do you live with something like this on your conscience, like, for this long? It has to eat away at you. The FBI, to this day, has a $50,000 reward offer for any information that could lead to Tabitha or who harmed her or information about what happened that day. And there have been numerous persons of interest over the years. Subpoenas have been issued. Um, They actually did a property search in 2020 at the home of a man named Albert Franklin Jr. And I think he owned a trailer park that was near Tabitha's home where a lot of illegal activity went on, including sex trafficking. And I'm really unsure of where that stands today, but I thought that that was an interesting development. Hopefully that goes somewhere or police can come out and say that this means nothing. There's no connection. So there are a few different theories here. First being that Tabitha ran away, which I I do not believe. Um, Uh, anything's possible though. It may be unlikely. I really think it is, but it is, it is possible. Anything is. And as I said, in the very beginning, Tabitha did like to talk to people in chat rooms. The internet was new. We didn't really know all of the dangers that we do now. And how many times have we seen young girls lured away by strangers on the internet? It happens so often. And this is very possible. I just feel like there would have been more information to support this, some other detail, whether that's, you know, the chat room written down or even a username or maybe some of her friends knowing that she had developed some type of online relationship. I just feel like there would have been more info. The next theory is that she was kidnapped, whether that was by you know, opportunity or if she had been being watched or even if kids in that area in general had been being watched by someone, this person had bad intentions, whether it be for drugs or sex trafficking. Obviously, this area had a lot of crime and a lot of questionable people and plenty of them were very capable of doing something like this and capable of targeting her. But how did no one see or hear anything that morning, you know, at a time when so many people would have been out and about or waking up for their day? I just, I don't know how no one noticed. But then again, you know, maybe someone did. Maybe someone did see something. Maybe someone did hear something and they're just as shady. And maybe they're not saying anything because this happens too, especially with fellow criminals. People will mind their own business and they will take things like this to the grave because they have the same mindset. They have the same capabilities and patterns of behavior. 
another theory was that she was abducted by someone she knew, someone she was comfortable with. Is this why no one heard anything? Is this why no one saw anything strange? Maybe she knew this person. Maybe they pulled up in a vehicle and said, hey, I'll give you a ride to school. And then they took her. Like, I don't think that she was the type to talk to strangers or get into an unknown vehicle. So this could really account for why no one heard, why no one noticed, why there was no, you know, struggle, why they never found anything of hers. You know, if somebody was attacking you, if they were trying to overpower you to take you, you might lose something. You might lose a shoe. You might drop your backpack, you know, anything in the process, but there was nothing. So it it seems like someone could easily pull up someone who knows her and just get her to get into the car. And she doesn't know that they have bad intentions because she's familiar with this person. This case is so frustrating. As I always say with missing persons cases, it's just so hard to accept that someone vanished. Like she disappeared in such a short span of time in a familiar place. I mean, she was two blocks from her house in a place that she walked every morning. It's just crazy. Tabitha's parents have been through so much and it is heartbreaking to think about. They have been living in this nightmare for so, so long, but they managed somehow to remain hopeful and remain strong and it is incredible. There is a vigil held in remembrance of Tabitha every year on the anniversary of her disappearance. Um, Her parents even went to what would have been her high school graduation. They continue to live in the same house that they did when she disappeared. And they have a huge banner with all of Tabitha's information on it. It's like her missing persons flyer on a huge banner and it's hanging on their porch. Her mom says that it will remain there until they have answers. They have even left her bedroom basically exactly the same as it was the day that she went missing. They haven't changed it. It's like frozen in time. It's it's like Tabitha is frozen in time and her memory is, you know, she will remain 13 years old to her mom and her dad forever until until they know, until they find her whether that be dead or alive. I cannot begin to imagine their pain or even their strength. They will not give up. They continue to hold out hope that answers will come. And it's just so sad to think about the memories that, you know, they have to face every day in this home. I'm sure it brings them comfort, but I'm also sure that those memories are tarnished by having to you know, be in this place where she just up and disappeared. From what I read, the police still get tips about Tabitha's case all these years later. And again, somebody knows something. And I know that someone has the information that matters. They have the information that could give this family 
closure and I really hope that one day they get that. If you're listening to this on the day that it was released, Tabitha's 32nd birthday would have been yesterday. She went missing when she was 13 years old. She would be a grown woman right now, literally the same age as I am. At the time that Tabitha went missing, she had sandy blonde hair. She had blue eyes. She was around five feet tall, 100 pounds. Obviously, she would look very different um, today than she did when she was 13, but I will link a photo below of an age progression. Thank you guys for listening to Tabitha's story. Please share this, share her photos, share her missing persons flyer, literally anything. This is a real person. This is a real family and they are fighting for answers and missing her every single day. There is not a day an hour, a minute that goes by that her parents and her whole family are not broken because of this. This story is truly a reminder of strength and hope through difficult circumstances and really the power of love. I hope one day that Tabitha's family gets the answers that they deserve and that they have been waiting and fighting for. Please be smart stay safe, always do the right thing, and I'll see you guys Saturday for a new episode. As always, thank you guys for being here with me.